if you need me on there, but anyway. Well, we're glad that you could, we could all be together where two or three are gathered, right? So that's good. Um, you know, since we've moved to South Carolina, to Spartanburg, uh, we've been here at, I've kind of gotten involved with a church plant in the Gaffney, South Carolina area. We have a lay leader who's retired. Well, he had been an uh, Adventist uh, hospital administrator for a while up in D.C. area and then uh, worked for the government after that. So they have about a dozen people that show up on a, on a Sabbath, and we get over there occasionally, you know, having communion or just other opportunities that I can get over and be with them. But uh, it's not only planting new churches, but it's going, helping to go and sustain and grow those plants, you know, once they've started. So that, that's a real critical need as well. So how many, how many plants in, do we have right now currently in the conference? I was just thinking of lifting them up in prayer as we get started. Okay, we have um, 16 that have started since 2016. 16 since 2016. Sixteen. Okay. Well, let's pray for those sixteen groups and their leaders that the Lord would give them strength and and uh, help them to continue to grow. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. It's a beautiful day where we can be able to come in the mountains to uh, get apart for a while and to spend time just being able to think about how we can grow your kingdom. And we pray especially for these 16 new plants since 2016. We pray that you'll be with the lay leaders, be with the members there as well. And Lord, we just pray that you will help them to be able to connect with honest, seeking people who want to have a deeper experience with you. And maybe even those that even don't even know you yet. And so we just pray that you will work in a special way to be able to grow those plants and to be able to see others started across the Carolinas as well. We pray that you'll bless our time together this afternoon, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I've asked Pastor Wu to come and share a testimony on the Hmong church plant. And Pastor Wu is working with the Hickory Korean Mission Group, and so he's going to be sharing with us for the next 10 minutes, including a slideshow. Uh, nice to meet you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My name is Yungu. I'm a servant uh, of Hikori, Korean Mission Group. Uh, and actually, uh, recently we, uh, when we meet with um, meet uh, Hmong uh, mem- church members, we uh, greet saying uh, Nyajong. Nyajong means uh, hello or hi in uh, Hmong language. <clears throat> yeah. And actually, Annyeonghaseyo uh, is uh, greeting in uh, Korean language, but uh, yeah, we uh, greet uh, saying Nyajong uh, because we, we are working for uh, saving Hmong people. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, 
since there are just uh, 100 uh, Korean population in Hikori area, but uh, there are 10,000 Hmong people uh, in, around Hikori area. So uh, we started changing our uh, uh, our uh, yeah focus uh, from Korean to Hmong people. <clears throat> yeah, and um, I want to uh, introduce myself just for a short time. Um, I came at America. I came to America uh, six years ago. Uh, yeah, and so actually, uh, my English experience are six years, like six <laughs> years boy, <laughs> six years old boy. Uh, but whenever uh, somebody asks me to share uh, testimony, I always say, said, uh, "Yes, I will," yeah, because I believe. Uh, Sharing testimony incur, incur, uh, is blessing uh, not only uh, listeners but also uh, for me. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, here uh, in Bible verse Revelation chapter 12 verse uh, 11 says, uh, And they overcame him. Him is here uh, dragon, red dragon, and Satan. Yeah. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto uh, the death. So in this verse, there are two methods uh, that a Christian can overcome Satan. The first one is the blood of the Lamb. The second uh, one is the word of uh, Christian's testimony. Testimony. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> I always uh, answer, yes, I will. Yeah, because uh, by sharing testimony, uh, I can uh, have faith to overcome Satan. <clears throat> so uh, I want to uh, share this testimony uh, with you, and uh, I want this time uh, is blessing uh, for you all and to me. Uh, above all, I uh, my first lesson uh, that I have learned from uh, church planting experience is that God is still alive. And he still is on his work. How we know that? How we know that? Because as a God's servants and the servants who wants to plant a church, 
Uh, I had a lot of uh, proofs that uh, God leads and works and uh, listens to um, our prayer in His providence uh, for church planting. Uh, even if there are more uh, hard time to do church planting, but uh, I experienced um, that there are more clear and mighty help from God. So I have experienced uh, that God is alive and help his servants. So I can praise him uh, for leading me into a church planting ministry. Uh, <clears throat> his providence for uh, Hmong evangelism in Hickory already started a long time ago. Actually, uh, I had been uh, a pastor for 15 years in South Korea, and uh, my local conference uh, sponsored me to study abroad. So I uh, finished my master's degree at Andrews Seminary, and I wanted to keep uh, studying uh, a doctorate program there. Uh, but um, at that time, 2014, uh, the seminary closed uh, the leadership uh, yeah, course uh, for uh, doctoral ministry course uh, to international students. So uh, I prayed at the time, uh, God, you, what you want uh, me to do? Uh, I have go back to Korea, or I have to keep studying here. And at the time, my uh, brother-in-law uh, had a newborn baby, and he suggested us uh, to come here. Uh, and I, uh, since I was accepted um, at a uh, Presbyterian Seminary, uh, so I came here in uh, North Carolina, and yeah, I uh, could keep studying yeah, there. Mm. And Hickory Korean Group knew uh, my family's arrival in North Carolina and asked us to uh, help yeah, the Hickory uh, Korean Group. Uh, so I prayed and thought, uh, you know, just studying only or reading many books only, uh, a very uh, not uh, uh, important meaning to me at that time. Uh, so I thought if I if I study if I study. Uh, um, the studying only, uh, if I study only, uh, maybe it, the time uh, wastes my life or my energy. So uh, finally I and my wife talked about that and we agreed to uh, serve uh, the church. <clears throat> and there were uh, three uh, pastors. Uh, they served uh, they always served the uh, Hickory Korean group. 
and uh, they focused on evangelizing Korean people. Well, as I mentioned before, uh, just uh, there are few Koreans around Hikori. <clears throat> so uh, there were um, so. Uh, Actually, no, although Hikori Korean group started in 2012, uh, and there were three pastors before me, uh, they had worked for only Korean, but there were no uh, Korean uh, to, to catch, to save. So church members were very uh, disappointed at that time. Uh, there were just five Korean members uh, at the time, uh, they were all uh, over 60 years old. However, they were really eager uh, to uh, keep the group and uh, save souls. And this was uh, what the Korean group was like uh, when uh, I started serving the group. So. <clears throat> God already uh, set it environments that uh, we willingly worked uh, not for Korean but for other uh, Asian people. Uh, they were uh, Hmong people. And when we look back, look back uh, at our uh, past experience, God led us to start by uh, reading a book, uh, the book. Christian service written by uh, Ellen White. Um, therefore, according to God's providence, we started reading the book uh, from October 2015. And as we read the book more and more, God made us look at the Hmong people. So we prayed and prayed to God for helping us to work for the Hmong. Uh, these, are, uh, these are some uh, precious words that we were uh, stirred up in our hearts. Yeah, Christian service, uh, page 199. Yeah, I think, Pastor Brett, would you please read? While plans are being carried out to warn the inhabitants of various nations in distant lands, much must be done in behalf of the foreigners who have come to the shores of our own land. The souls in China are no more precious than the souls within the shadow of our doors. God's people are to labor faithfully in distant lands as His providence may open the way. And they are also to fulfill their duty toward the foreigners of various nationalities in the cities and villages and country districts close by. Yeah. So, uh, what is uh, work equal in importance to that in foreign fields? Yeah. Uh, according to uh, these um, words, um, yeah. to work for uh, foreigners is uh, in, around us, uh, near us, is a work equal in, in importance to that in foreign fields. <clears throat> Yeah, um, would you please read? 
Oh, no, 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 uh, other yeah. okay. Yes. Uh, recording? Ah, uh, okay, okay. Uh, sorry. In our own country, there are thousands of all nations and tongues and peoples who are ignorant and superstitious, having no knowledge of the Bible or its sacred teachings. God's hand was in their coming to America that they might be brought under the enlightening influence of the truth revealed in his word and become partakers of his saving faith. Yeah. So uh, what do you think uh, is a heaven-sent opportunity that is uh, to work uh, thousands of all nations and all uh, tongues and peoples who are uh, ignorant and superstitious, having no knowledge of the Bible or its sacred teachings? Yeah. Uh, in other words, uh, for those who live around us, but they are foreigners, they are strangers. Um, Paul, the apostle, said that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. So, um, <clears throat> foreigners are strangers among you, whom God commanded you to take care uh, for as your uh, brother and sister. Okay, so here's the next one from Christian service. God in his providence has brought men to our very doors and thrust them, as it were, into our arms that they might learn the truth and be qualified to do a work we could not do in getting the light to men of other tongues. Okay, another one. Many of these foreigners are here in the providence of God that they may have opportunity to hear the truth for this time and receive a preparation that will fit them to return to their own lands as bearers of precious light shining direct from the throne of God. One more, please. Great benefits will come to the cause of God in the regions beyond if faithful effort were put forth in behalf of the foreigners in the cities of our homeland, referring to America. Uh, I should mention, by the way, this is in Christian Service, page 200. Mm -hmm. Among these men and women are some who, upon accepting the truth, could soon be fitted to labor for their own people in this country and in other countries. Many might return to the places from which they came in the hope of winning their friends to the truth. They could search out their kinsfolk and neighbors and communicate to them a knowledge of the third angel's message. Yeah, uh, we found these verse, uh, words. So uh, these words gave us uh, challenges uh, to work for the Hmong, even though the Korean also are uh, Asian minority. <laughs> yeah, so very uh, unique. Uh, to make matters worse, um, Actually, our mother tongue is Korean. Uh, the English is a second language. Uh, so it could be a very hard time to worship uh, in English. But you know, all church members agreed to work for the Hmong people and said, we have eaten God's words a lot. So we are full. So it's time to share this gospel for the Others. Uh, and uh, let's our, uh, do our best 
as possible as we can. Church members answered. But we, don't have, we didn't have any resources or information about Hmong evangelism at that time. We didn't even have any Hmong people who we knew. So what we should do? Prayer and prayer and prayer. Uh, actually, we started praying at uh, 6 a.m., uh, five days a week, from the first day of January 2016. And we shared a prayer request. And we also started uh, having prayer meeting every uh, Wednesday night. Uh, at the first time, we uh, actually uh, had a worship time. But uh, Pastor Brett visited uh, maybe July. And he suggested us uh, we should have the time as a prayer meeting time. So we changed uh, from just uh, studying Bible to uh, having prayer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... Um, <clears throat> My bro- uh, it was uh, it happened uh, on my brother law uh, brother in law's uh, son's uh, first uh, birthday. Uh, we uh, visited his home and we met uh, some of his friends. <clears throat> and uh, by chance, uh, I met uh, Frank, uh, who attended uh, at my brother-in-law's son's birthday party. Uh, his name was Frank, and his wife was uh, Cambodian. And uh, I met him before uh, one time. I greeted him, and I uh, told him um, I uh, started uh, serving in Hickory Korean group, and we uh, wa- want to uh, work for the Hmong people. And uh, he answered, uh, I know uh, one Hmong uh, elder uh, because Hmong uh, group and Cambodian group gathered together in Shalot uh, Church. Yeah, Shalot Church in, in Charlotte. <clears throat> so uh, he gave me a uh, pastor, Thon, who worked for Cambodian group and Hmong group. So I called him, and he gave me uh, one uh, Hmong leader in Charlotte Sh- uh, Hmong group. Yes, uh, his name was uh, Elder Peng. So I... Uh, called Elder Peng, and what happened? Uh, finally, on uh, Jan- 16th of January 2016, uh, it's, um, after two weeks since we started praying, yeah, uh, every uh, 6 a.m. Okay. And um, Finally, 
day, uh, Elder Peng and his family visited us. Uh, so we met each, uh, together. Uh, it was very, very precious and blessed time. Uh, we talked with him. Uh, we talked uh, with, uh, with the family about Hmong history and uh, vision. Uh, yeah, in the Sabbath afternoon, and and from that time, uh, and after uh, we met the elder Peng and his family, uh, he recommended us one uh, Hmong family in Hickory who lives in Hickory, and we met, and he uh, we we. Need a um, teacher who teach us uh, Hmong language. So uh, when we asked uh, Elder Peng to find someone uh, who can teach us Hmong language, he recommended one uh, family. The, fam- uh, the family's name is uh, Chi Yang family. Uh, so the, the, the last Sabbath of January, uh, Hmong brother, uh, Chi Yang, and his family uh, came to uh, Hickory Korean group. And when he arrived at the uh, church, he uh, came out, and his wife came out, and his first son came out, second son came out, Third son came out. Uh, yeah, and they, the family had five children, so it was a very blessed uh, time. And after we uh, talked with him, we knew, we came to know uh, the, the main food of Hmong people are red meat or just meat. And they also have a very, they like. Uh, Korean culture, like Korean drama, Korean um, uh, language, Korean cook food. So uh, we planned uh, how we can approach the Hmong people. So we had uh, a lot of uh, uh, programs and like health expo and cooking class and language class. And anyway, it's uh, already t- time to finish. Um, and uh, by God's help, by God's providence, uh, now uh, there are almost uh, 30 uh, members gather every Sabbath. And, you know, and Brother Chi Yang prepared uh, becoming a uh, lay pastor uh, program. I just w- want to show you. Uh, yeah. How about the 30? Are those 30 Koreans and Muslims? No, uh, maybe 10. Uh, yeah, uh, just 12 Korean. Or the, almost, yeah, 12 Korean and 18 Hmong. Regular, every Sabbath? Yeah. Wow. Mm. So, Brother Chi, uh, Yang family. Yeah. Five children, very uh, lovely yeah, children. Yeah, yeah um, they are very young. Uh, maybe 30, 
32 or 33. Uh, but Hmong people usually got married very early ages and have many children. Usually five or six children. And this is, uh, yeah, we are educating among people and Pastor Thun. Yeah, Thun and his wife there. Uh, yeah, they are learning to, uh, how, how to make a charcoal and how to do charcoal therapy and other things. Uh, we want to equip them as a, uh, health missionaries. Yeah, uh, Brother Chi Yang and his wife. Uh, this is a health, uh, picture of Health Expo. Yeah, we had uh, 61 guests. Yeah. Uh, we ha- had the Health Expo uh, on their biggest uh, festival, New Year festival. Uh, almost uh, yeah, at the 10,000 Hmong people gathered at that time. And volunteers, health for volunteers. Yeah, we had an uh, evangelical meeting last winter. And Pastor Kong there, you see? And this is the first fruit uh, yeah, by Hmong uh, uh, ministry. Yeah, this is a Korean language class and cooking class. And we have a survey. We took survey every uh, Thursday, and we came to know their biggest needs is to uh, educate their children. So we are uh, praying now. We are praying uh, that God send sends us uh, some work more workers to uh, serve their education for children. Yeah, we uh, took a picture uh, one Saturday afternoon. Yeah, um, yeah. just I want to read this one, yeah, and I want to finish it. You, yeah. you want me to read it? Okay, so this is Christian Service, page 199. Wake up, wake up, my brethren and sisters, and enter the fields in America that have never been worked. After you have given something for foreign fields, do not think your duty done. There is a work to be done in foreign fields, but there is a work to be done in America that is just as important. In the cities of America, there are people of almost every language. These need the light that God has given to his church. Yeah. So where is the field uh, in America that have never been worked? <laughs> yeah, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, uh, foreigners uh, once having uh, American friends or American uh, family. Yeah. You know, um, um, immigrants or foreigners don't speak English very much. So they need someone who will help uh, them and their children. In my case, uh, 16 years ago when I came to America, uh, my children... Uh, didn't know, yeah, uh, speak, uh, they, they, they couldn't speak uh, English. Uh, so I wanted having an American family 
who uh, have good relationship and uh, who, uh, children who can help my children uh, to just speak in English with them. Uh, so if you can see a foreigner or immigrants around your door, your house, they, I'm sure they really, really want uh, and need uh, American friends like you. So if you open your uh, heart and if you open your mind and open your house, uh, invite them, maybe they uh, surely invite you and you can make a good friendship or relationship. Uh, uh, they are very, you, you already have a very, very uh, precious opportunity to save souls. So what you have heard Pastor Wu share is a remarkable story because typically you have immigrant-based church planting initiated by American-born churches, American, uh, churches that are made up of American-born people. And it's only one time in the Carolina Conference that I am aware that this happened before, and this was a Spanish-speaking church that planted an English-speaking church out of um, maybe almost the last 50 church plants in the last seven years. Uh, we have not had any more than those two of having immigrant churches planting immigrant churches or planting any church. But this is the first immigrant church plant in the Carolina Conference that has planted another immigrant church plant. That of a different culture. So this really is remarkable. And um, the vision that the Hickory Korean church had, our church plant had to uh, realize that there are more people to be reached other than the Korean immigrant population in the Hickory area. That is very unselfish of the, the church to, to change their focus away from themselves to a people group that are more populated in that specific area. Uh, Pastor Wu, I would like to invite you up. I want to have prayer for you, because um, I know you're going to be transitioning back to South Korea. So uh, would you both come up here? You and, uh, is it Mrs. Wu? Is that, okay. All right, have both of you come, and I'd like to pray for you. Uh, thank you for coming to share. It's, you. Your English has come a long way in six years, brother. That's great. Let's pray. Father in heaven, glory be to your name. We are so thankful that um, the Woos have come to America and they have responded to your call, not only for the Korean church plant there in Hickory, but they have also opened their eyes to see potential to reach another whole people group in the Hickory area, in the Hmong people. So Lord, I'm thanking you for their ministry. Their ministry has brought fruit and they're going to be transitioning going back to South Korea to continue their ministry. And I pray for both of them that you would guide them, that your spirit would bless them um, in this new district or new ministry that they will be starting in August. I pray that you'll give them your blessing. Bless them and bless their children as well as they transition back, back to their home country. But I pray that you would help uh, their children to keep a vision to reach new people just like their parents, wherever 
you have them to serve. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Sorry to see you go, brother. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so today we're going to be talking about something in between church revitalization and church planting, something that applies to both of them. So it's not specific to church planting or church revitalization. It applies to both. And then tomorrow we begin the process of, of church planting. Okay? So and here's the area that I would like to discuss. How to identify your top bar strength. This is something that Tom Evans presented to the North American Division Church Planting Coordinators. And I asked him if I could share this for this meeting. And he said, sure. So this is something I thought was really good. Um, that's why I wanted to share it with you. Okay. Back in the presidential primaries um, some time ago, you had the Republican field had many people. And this was back in 2012, I believe. And you had Rick Perry was asked, Governor Rick Perry of Texas was uh, asked a question, which federal agencies would you um, get rid of? And I see some of you nodding your heads that you, you remember this. Yeah, I remember it too. Because I watched, and then he said, I would get rid of three of them. So he started sharing uh, EPA or whatever. He, started, he couldn't remember the third one. And that was like a moment that this ruined his political future or aspirations to become president right there. So being quick on his feet in the public eye is probably not his top bar strength. And we would think of President Trump with his hair, probably not his top bar strength. He has different strengths, but this is probably not one of them. And you think of uh, former uh, Vice President Cheney. Um, he had an unfortunate shooting accident. He, he shot his, his buddy, a lawyer, and uh, later thought he might look like quail uh, that he was shooting for. That's not a top bar strength, okay? Now, here's a question. How does this photo, jack-of-all-trades photo, reflect the role of a pastor or sometimes church leaders? Church leaders, and especially pastors, or if, if you are a leader of, of a church plant, you are expected to be proficient in many areas. In fact, the North American Division Ministerial Department has for some time been pushing having pastors to go through several areas of core competencies. And I'll have to be honest with you, as I have been a church leader among uh, ministerial meetings for departments, for the unions, and have the division share, I feel a little bit uncomfortable with that. Because if I'm spending a lot of my time strengthening some areas that, let's say, may be mediocre, then how will that result in more fruit for ministry? Because I feel like I have a couple of areas that God has blessed me and my spiritual giftedness to, to perform well. So how does that fit? Yes, there, there's, there's a time to work on some areas that need strengthening, but I believe that's why we, we're a body. We're a body. Not everybody is supposed to be the perfect person that can serve in every, every role or is expected to function with every gift that the church has. That's why we're to work with one another. 
This is just my personal view. Some may disagree. Apologize for anybody from NAD Ministerial that may not agree. But so, um, if you if you're looking for a doctor, if you have a very specific health challenge, you're probably not going to be uh, looking for a generalist. For instance, you may go see a primary care physician, and then he or she may not be able to treat your condition, but will refer you to someone else who can. And if that person cannot, that person will refer you to an even more narrow specialist. I remember that uh, my mom, she had cancer. She passed away several years ago. And her um, surgeon was a, was a uh, very specialized. He was a surgeon for ovarian cancer. And, um, I mean, how many of those are there? I mean, very specialized area. Surgery, I mean, surgeon just for the area of ovarian cancer. Um, I mean, you have surgeons and then you have uh, oncologists who um, treat ovarian cancer. But he was all of them in one, in one area. Um, we're very specific, okay? So as we think about top bar strengths, we think of... Proverbs 22, 29. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. So there is some precedent, biblical precedent, towards excelling in your area of strength. Okay? Now you think of baseball. Some of you may be baseball fans. I know it probably is is big in Korea, right? South Korea. All right? Now if you are a batter, your coach is going to be telling you to focus on hitting the ball in the sweet spot. Because obviously, if, if you hit the ball close to the hands, um, and sometimes at towards the end of the bat, you are most likely will hit a foul. And that's not good for anything but a strike. Okay? But you want to focus and time everything right, time your swing right, so you're going to hit at the sweet spot. So you'll be able, you'll be able to drive the ball. Same thing in, in cricket. Um, same scenario. You want to hit the ball in the sweet spot. Okay, this is taken from the book, Jan Cresswell's book, Christ-Centered Coaching. This is really, really good quote. Each one of us has a unique set of the small number of strengths that are way above average. The strengths, I call them top bars, come so naturally to you that instead of seeing them as strengths, you think, of all, you think that all human beings were born with them. This is interesting. This is, this is the way we communicate. When we communicate with other people, we, we communicate in a way in which we prefer to be communicated with. And if um, you've heard of love languages, the five love languages, we communicate in a certain love language. It's because that's the love language that we understand best. And the same goes for, uh, for our, our spiritual gifts or our top areas, our top bars, Okay that this is like natural to us and we think that everybody's like that and so naturally we're going we're gonna to feel differently when we don't see that in others, okay? So this can be areas of our talents, could be areas of knowledge or expertise in, with knowledge, information, know-how, and also our skills, okay? These are all um, examples of our strengths, okay? You think of Paul the Apostle. What was his top bar strength? What did he really excel at as you think about his ministry. Well, you think about all the churches that he was responsible for planting. He was the foremost church planter, especially among the Gentiles. 
and you see Asia Minor, current day, modern day Turkey, and all these churches that we know of that he was responsible for being the catalyst to getting them going. They would set them up, uh, ordain some elders, and then they would carry on the work. Okay? What about Barnabas? Um, yeah, encourager, son of encouragement is what his name means. And in Japan, the word for coach is the word they use is actually Barnabas' name. Because he's, uh, he's synonymous, his name is synonymous with coaching as it relates to how we coach people today. Not in sports, but coaching, encouraging, and helping people discover um, the Lord's will for their lives. Okay? Acts 11.23, when Barnabas came and he had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with the purpose of heart. With purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. This is Barnabas. In fact, you would see him, first you would see Barnabas and Paul, and later on in the same chapter you'll see Paul and Barnabas. He was very much comfortable with letting someone else develop their skills and, um, and be successful and take a back seat. This was what he did. He, if, if you think about it, if it wasn't for Barnabas, you would have much of Acts would not have occurred because he was the one behind the scenes lifting others up and blessing their ministry. Okay, could you think of some other Bible characters that also operated in, in their areas of, of uh, strength, their top bar strengths? Give me some ideas. If you think of Scripture, you think of somebody that really stands out in a certain area of giftedness, who comes to mind? If I say leadership, somebody who had the gift of leadership, who comes to mind? Moses, absolutely. Nehemiah, yes. I mean, Nehemiah had a way to bring people together for a common goal. Moses, I mean, wow, leading millions of people. And not just leading them, but leading them from one country to another. And being, coming out of slavery on top of everything else. So that was really uh, amazing. Okay, definitely top bar strength. Tom Rath he writes in Strength Finder 2.0, the most successful people start with dominant talent and then add skills, knowledge, and practice to the mix. When they do this, the raw talent actually serves as a multiplier. Okay? All right, now you think of Steve Jobs. What was his top bar strength? What's that? Creative. Another way we can say that is innovative. Okay? Uh, never, never settled for just mediocre, always in, innovated, um, and made sure that his company um, uh, focused on that. Their mission was clear, and they were successful in his mission. Okay? What about Oprah? Regardless of you, what do you think about her ideas and such, what is her top bar strength? You look at this picture. Uh, who do you see in this picture? You see Dr. Oz. Who else? Dr. Phil, okay. So what, what was she good at? She was good at helping others kickstart their career, all right, or, or kickstart their career as far as being in the public eye and sharing their, uh, their gifts um, with the world, okay? They, were start, they all started on Oprah. Okay, here's another quotation by Hoffman. Working on your faults might help you make a living, but honing your talents might help you change the world. Gandhi said, you must be the change you wish to see in the world. All right? 
And there are a lot of people who we know, whom we know today as, as being great at something that were also good at doing something else. But they honed their skills, like Larry Bird, he practiced hours every day, hours every day, and then through doing, became one of the greatest ever uh, you know, in, in NBA history. And so this is the way that people can become great. It doesn't happen just by accident. God gives us the ability, the talents, and people work at them. They develop those uh, talents, and they become even better, even stronger in those areas. Okay, so good is the enemy to great. So you think of everybody that is well-known. They were good at other things, too. But they spent their time and focus in certain areas, and that is which what we know them for today. Like Crocodile, Crocodile Dundee, he was a, a good construction worker. Okay. All right. Ben Carson said, if we recognize our talents and use them appropriately and choose a field that uses those talents, we will rise to the top of the field. This is someone who rose from poverty and to be the, uh, uh, the neurosurgeon, chief neurosurgeon for pediatrics there at Johns Hopkins. Okay? All right, so how do you determine what your top bar strength is? Right, anybody have an idea what you would think? How do you determine what your top bar strengths are? Any ideas? Spiritual gifts assessment. Okay, good one. All right. Number one, past experiences that have shaped you. Okay? All right. We're going to have several of these. Past experiences that have shaped you. Number two, desire to share with others on that particular area. I can tell you that my son, uh, he's eight years old, and he has a, a love for soccer. He can tell you about who the greatest soccer players are, and I haven't a clue, only because what I've learned from him, talking about Messi and Ronaldo. I mean, some of those names may need, may need something to you, but I just have learned of them recently from my son. And he plays soccer out in, in our backyard. We have a little net for him. And, um, and that's something I did not grow up playing. I played almost every other sport, but I did not play that. But he has his own interest. And uh, there's this thing that he's taught me about the rainbow kick. He's taught me what it means, but I cannot do it. But that's just where you take the ball behind your two feet and you touch it up with one foot and then simultaneously the other foot is going to come and kick it in the air and, and bring it up above your head. Um, and he's really good. He's just a, you know eight-year-old boy. But this is something that he's been spending some time in and he plays some games on his iPad, uh, some soccer games, and he watches watches highlights from soccer players who are excellent. He watches what they're doing and everything. And, um, so, and he talks about this. Hey, Daddy, you know, um, this soccer player, his name is such and such, do you know he can curve the ball when he kicks it? You know, he can, he can put spin on the ball. Um, I mean, this is a passion that he has. So he's going to share it. So something that we find ourselves wanting to share with others is another way that um, we can identify our top bar strengths. Okay. Three, you are frustrated when it is neglected or not done well from others. Okay, so you have a higher level of ex expectation in that specific area. For me, I'll just mention one of my areas that I feel that um, is a top bar strength is organization. 
And when I see that things are disorganized, it drives me crazy. And, uh, or, or things are, are, um, could have been done better with a little bit of planning. It just, it, it very frustrating for me. It's not because um, maybe somebody is not well-intended. It's just, I think that everybody needs to be like that. But really, they're not. You know, different people have different gifts, and we all need to complement one another. Okay. Also, someone speaks into your life. Nobody is where they are at ex- in excelling in an area without having people that they can remember have encouraged them along the way. You can think of your mentors or maybe uh, someone who's coached you. could be a loved one, family member. It could be someone in your field, uh, whatever. Um, but someone has been there that have, has encouraged you or invested in your life and has helped you along the way. For me, I'm a pastor, and I think of uh, my first mentor. He was about 80 years older than I was. He planted the church where I grew up in, in Blythewood, South Carolina. And he just poured his ideas, his thoughts, his experiences into, into me, and I would spend a lot of time with him. We would, we would go to Carolina Conference camp meetings together in the 90s, and we went to uh, uh, the uh, general conference together, just me and him. Here, here's this 80-some-year-old man just driving 80 miles per hour, sometimes on the interstate, going to Toronto, you know. I said, whoa, he said, well, yeah, these, uh, these long, narrow roads are, are tempting, he told me. But anyway, and, um, and then every Sabbath after church, I would go to his house, and we would spend time together, and, and, and sometimes we would go do um, visiting Bible study interest in the area together, but eventually he became too old, and then I would just go, and I would come back, and I would talk, and talk about my dreams, and how I wanted to uh, uh, plant churches one day, and how I wanted to um, do evangelism, because I was still in high school and eventually a student at Southern Adventist University, and so he poured into my life, and he told me, Whenever you plant a church, don't stay for the groundbreaking. Always make sure you leave. So he told me things like that that instilled in my mind principles that you don't never want to get tied down to just one specific area so you can keep moving and getting a new work started. Okay, the same, you you can think of people in your life as well. I have a couple more uh, just like that or similar. Okay, and and then the fifth one here, where you see God blessing. So another way to refer to that is the Holy Spirit flare, God's blessing upon your life that whenever, kind of like Joseph, whatever you do in that area, in a certain area, God just seems to help that area to blossom and flourish. That whatever you, you touch seems to, to just really go very well for you. Okay? So those are five areas. So in reaching your top bar, we think of Ellen White, what she's had to say on the subject She says in Testimonies, Volume 3, page 160, We are indebted to him who gave us existence for the talents that have been entrusted to us, and it is a duty we owe our Creator to cultivate and improve these talents. So the Spirit of Prophecy, or Ellen White, she said that it is God's will for us to improve upon the areas of strength that we have. Now, I'm sure that she talks about improving some weakest areas things that we're just mediocre at, sure. But she says we need to hone our top bar strengths. We need to become even more proficient. We need to become specialists in those, area, in those areas so that we can give more 
to our church, for our Lord, okay, for his work. Okay? For instance, if you're more of a generalist, you would, um, your preaching may be too general, but if you want to focus, you could focus your preaching more specifically to connecting to, let's say, millennials, um, the age demographic that is born 1980 and to like around 2000, focusing on reaching them, and, which is different than reaching everybody at the same time. Now, Jesus had a, a way to do that, reaching everybody at the same time when he preached. But uh, as far as connecting with people that need um, a way to come in, connect with God, this is, this is an excellent way to focus and hone your gift. Okay, obviously you want to feed your top bar strength. You want to feed it. So how do you feed it? Okay, so you read about it, research, and you observe others. Uh, you're not going to get better if, you, if you're just thinking of yourself like an island. You need to read from experts. You need to hang around experts, learn all you can from them. And then also have spiritual reflection, asking God for his direction in your life, being open to how he would leave you in that area. Okay? Cultivating. How do you do that? All right, you apply this, this ministry gift and this, this top bar strength in your ministry context. Then as you are... Getting experience, you're also gaining more credibility in that area. Uh, there were for several years, uh, one of my mentors, Tom Evans, encouraged me to start the doctoral ministry program, which you're finishing, I guess. And I resisted because I was like done with school. I didn't have a break from, from kindergarten through the end of my MDiv, and I just hated going back to school. And so I resisted it. But then he shared with me that he's going to be the cohort leader for um, one that was going to be starting in 2017. I said, okay, if I'm going to take it, now's the time. Because it's the cohort subject, cohort leader, all matched my areas of interest. So um, I decided, okay, I'm going to do it. But I resisted it. Um, but eventually he said, okay, if, you're going to do a, if you want to become an expert in one specific area for the church, then you need to hone that. And one of the best ways to do that is to get your doctorate in this specific area. And you do your DMIM project. Your focus is on that area. And I can share with you um, what area that is, uh, what, what area I'm looking at doing my DMIM project. It's, it's in church revitalization. It's, it's actually I want to coach pastors through a church revitalization process like I have in my book. I want to coach pastors in this conference that are pastoring declining churches, choose four pastors in this conference and four pastors around the NAD and coach them one hour on the telephone, not meeting with the churches, not meeting with the pastors face-to-face because I want it to be something that's reproducible, easy for any conference to do anywhere. So uh, that's what I'm going to be trying um, in my project. Russell Burrell is my um, advisor, and Tom Evans is, is my second reader, so I'm very, very blessed. I feel very blessed. Okay, seeking opportunities to share what you've learned. Partner with others to improve the methods. There are others that have a similar passion, and you can work with them, network together. It's very easy to network this day and age with social media. It's very easy to stay connected. Okay, invest it. Okay, create a legacy through mentoring others. Okay, so you could be known as excellent in something, but if you do not pass this vision down, if you do not invest in others, then the proficiency may be lost. So we need to be able to pour into others as others have poured into us so that it can be reproduced, uh, just like Barnabas. 
and great work can be done not because of us, but because of us influencing others and lifting them up. Okay? Uh, publishing all as well, um, writing about it, casting a vision before others. Um, you want to focus not just what God can do in your local area, but think bigger. Dream bigger what God can do through you. Okay, Pastor David Jameson, he is in British Columbia, Aldergrove, Seventh-day Adventist Church. And his top bar strength is community networking. They have a tremendous community service organization called Acts of Kindness. They recently had a $13 million facility dedicated just for community impact. It is amazing. Um, we recently had the Triad Adventist, I'm sorry, Tri-City Adventist Academy, which was the largest ch uh, church building project in our conference history, $6 million. But this, for this one church, $13 million, um, and that may be Canadian dollars, I'm not certain. But they are so active, and they're very well known, but even still, it may be like $9 million or something. Um, they're so very active in the community, so many ways that they've reached their community with practical, in practical ways, okay? All right, and then through his vision and through what, what God has done in this specific, this specific church, others have picked up, hey, maybe we can do that. Maybe we can network with the community because it's not like everything is done by this church, but they network, for instance, with an, a lube center, and they, they use get permission to use that place on a Sunday, and then they minister and give free oil changes to all single moms, as an example. That's something that they did. So it's about community networking, using the resources of the community, not just thinking the resources that the church happens to own. Okay, Paul Conniff. Um, any of you heard of Paul Conniff? He's a pastor, and his top bar strength is prayer-based counseling. So he talks about that Jesus did not only die for your sins, to take your sins away, but he also died to take away our suffering. There's that combination in the scriptures. Jesus suffered and died. And so he left full-time pastoral ministry to go full-time in this specific area. And I have even, uh, I gave a book for my wife. She wanted to read a book, so I got her some book that was recommended from ACBC. And then one book that she read was someone's testimony in their experience with depression and they mentioned about how God brought them out. And it was actually through Paul's ministry um, visiting her church. That's what opened the door for her to move forward. Okay? All right. Judy Aitken. Uh, she's at ASAP Ministries. And her top bar strength is in faith and lay church planting. So she does a lot of praying. And through the impact uh, of her ministry, over 500 lay-led church places church plants in Southeast Asia. So, tremendous, okay? So, now I want to take some time for you. I want you to pick somebody close, or actually, we have a small enough group here, we can talk about this. What is your sweet spot? I've already shared an example of mine. I want to hear from you, okay? So, I'm going to ask these two questions for you to answer here, but the first two, let's just talk about them. As a specialist in a giving area, on a scale of one to 10, where are you at now in a specific area you feel you're strong at, that God has given you talent, knowledge, skill? Another question, how much greater impact could you have if you honed or did more honing of this talent and became a specialist? 
And then here's the questions I would like to ask you so we can give some feedback. What would you identify your top bar strength to be? And, and then we'll come to this one. What is your next step to feed it? Okay, who would like to share? Just raise your hand. Don't feel bashful. We'll give glory to the Lord because he's the one who gives us the gifts and talents, okay? But um, would someone like to share what you would identify your top area of strength to be? Raise your hand. Yes. Administration. Okay. All right. Thank you. Someone else? Teaching. Teaching. Okay. Administration. Teaching. Yeah, I'm very well with teaching. Teaching. Okay. Would you like to share? Area of strength? Yeah, uh, prayer. Uh, prayer. Prayer and teaching. Okay. Would you like to share? Cook. Oh, wow. Hey, sounds good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. People like to come to your place, right? Okay, all right, so now let me ask the next question, and we'll go in the same order, okay? What is your next step, do you feel the Lord calling you, how you would feed it? We talked about ways that you can cultivate it and, and feed it. We talked about uh, reading uh, from experts, spending time with experts, um, getting more practice, looking more globally. We talked about those different areas you ready to give an example of what would be your next step? What could be a possible next step to feed the area of administration? I think that if I could find someone who'd be willing to mentor me, that would give me opportunities to practice that. Okay, what type of, um, how would you go about selecting your mentor in this area? Okay. Okay. Think on that. We'll come back to you. Okay. So for teaching. All right. In teaching, I was an accounting and economics uh, professor for 10 years. Uh, and the way I feed that is by reading and listening uh, to economic reports almost on a daily basis. Okay. Wow. Okay. I really like that. So in order to stay on top of your field, you're constantly listening to daily reports and reading the daily reports, and you're able to, to speak eloquently about these at any given time. Yeah. I would like to spend five or ten minutes with you to see what you think about the economy. Okay. All right. Okay. Teaching as well. What would you say? Okay. And you talked about soul winning as part of this digital impact or yeah, oh absolutely. Okay. Okay, so basically what you're saying is um, as far as impacting others in the area of teaching, to have a broader impact, you're looking at going more digital. Okay. So let, let's come back to you. Uh, what will be your next step to feed it? You already um, stay on top of this, but what what would be something you could do to further hone this area of specialty? Part of it is just in continuing to teach. Okay, continue uh, to practice the teaching. Okay. And then there's, there's the old saying that the person who learns the most is the one who teaches. And, and continuing to hone my skills on teaching 
listening to this talk about our strength, one of the challenges that you have when you really hone a skill is you create what is called a distance of learning. Mm. And what it does, it makes it very difficult for you to be able to teach somebody at an introductory level because you have this assumed body of knowledge in your head that you assume the other person has. Okay, let me repeat that for the recording. So you say the challenge is the higher you go in your specialty, the more of a challenge it is with the gap of teaching others. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And you have to be aware of that and continue to uh, mitigate it, if you will. You know, reduce the words that you speak, especially, you know, specialized words and that kind of stuff. Or to tell your audience to stop you if you use jargon, something, a word that they mm -hmm. don't understand. Okay, so, so basically connecting with your people, uh, your, your students, you make sure that you have them communicate to you if you need to say things in a different way at a more introductory level. Okay, okay so basically continue to teach, continue to practice teaching, but also the higher you go in your expertise to make sure that you're able to more effectively communicate with those at an introductory level. Okay, all right, so for you, you mentioned about going to um, going digital sharing more digitally, having a broader impact that was similar to the one about publishing. So you're more publishing digitally. Okay, so what is something you can do to feed that or go to the, to the next step? What is something you feel you could do? So what I'm currently now doing is looking at what specific platforms you know, are out there, which ones are, you know, am I going to use A, B, C, or D? I'm going to use A. I like that one, okay? What's the next step now? How do I need to, you know, how, how do I format Okay. Okay. So it seems like this is very clear in your mind. You already are looking at different platforms, and you're looking at different ways to communicate on those platforms. You seem like you already have your platform selected, right? Uh, yeah, we're getting there. We're get, get, getting there. Getting there. Okay. 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 Cool. All right. Okay. So, Pastor, Wu, prayer. What is something you can do as a next step in order to? Uh, strengthen your area that God has given you in the area of strength and prayer. I think I can talk to experts, uh, yeah, who devote uh, themselves uh, for prayer. Okay, do you have in mind someone that would be an, an example of an expert that you could spend more time with on this area? Not yet. I think I can find. Okay. How could you find? What is one thing you could do or a couple of things you could do to help find, identify an expert? Yeah, I, can, I can search people around me and I also uh, can search them. I have been with, with uh, other experts. Okay. By networking, talking with others? Okay. Okay. Cool. Anything else? Uh, maybe not, not with this time, but... Okay, let's sure. Okay, Miss Wu. All right, so you mentioned um, top area is in cooking. So, so what is something, obviously we're talking about feeding it, so how, how can you further strengthen and hone your area to have a, a broader impact, even more so? 
Yeah, you can trans translate through Pastor Wu here. Okay, so focusing on cooking to help people with illnesses and how to improve, help them become well, reading more of Ellen White's writings on the topic, and also looking on the internet for what resources are available there. Okay, nice. Okay, anything else? We'll come back to you in the administration uh, as far as. And you mentioned seeking out someone, like a mentor type, that would help you navigate the terrain right now. Um, do you have someone in mind that would be good to seek out some time to discuss this? Well, I mean, ideally, I would, I would say, you know, either an elder that's been in church for a long period of time or a pastor or an associate pastor, even a retired pastor. Um, I don't really have anybody that I can, that I can tap into right now. Okay, so what is one thing you could do to help go down the right pathway in order to find that right person? Other than looking at, you, know, you, you mentioned the types of individuals you could be looking at, retired pastors, seasoned elders. Uh, what's one thing you could do that would help you uh, to discover whom that person could be? That would start you on that road? Prayer. Okay, prayer. All right. All right. Sounds good. Okay, so basically what we've been talking about is an area that we don't talk about enough in the church. In the church, we have a lot of people that are in roles in areas where they're not really excelling at because they're not really passionate in that area. They, they're functioning in a certain role because um, there's a need, and that sometimes that's, that's good because if there's a need, like for instance, somebody to serve as um, an assistant treasurer or a treasurer of a church, and that's not their top bar strength, but there's no one else that comes close that is a committed follower of the Lord in the church, then you're the next best thing. Um, however, there are times in which we, we have people doing things that they have mediocre ministries, and there are other people who have more passion and giftedness in those specific areas, and they are committed followers of the Lord. And so that's, I don't think that's the way God has designed us to work as a church body. But it's something about this presentation that 
taps into our passion, our passions, that makes us okay. It's okay for me to focus more on the areas that God has gifted me in. Because no one likes to feel like a failure in doing something they're not that good at. But people love to thrive and where they can excel. And I think that's God's plan. Jesus says in John 10, 10, he wants us to have an abundant life. And I think exercising our spiritual giftedness is one part of that. Focusing on the areas that he has given us and honing those areas as blessings and seeing how he could use us. Okay? All right. So I think we have a, um, a few minutes. We actually have about 12 minutes, but we're not going to take that much time. Uh, as far as any questions relating to church revitalization or spiritual giftedness, giftedness as it relates to our topic today or anything along the lines of church growth and church planting, what questions do you have? Have you actually used this concept with an in trying to identify people with these tough heart strengths? Okay, so the question was, have we used something like this material for nominating committees? And so, whenever I've done nominating committee, every time I say, okay, we're not going to look at a list of positions to fill. We don't even look at that. We're going to take the membership role, and we're going to look, we're going to pray, and then we're going to prayerfully go over, every, or, uh, prayerfully consider every person on the list, starting from the A's, whatever, last name, and say, okay, how has the Lord gifted this person? Uh, now, there's some that we'll weed out as far as some things because of they're not faithful, um, faithful in church attendance, faithful in returning tithes and offerings, things like that. Those are kind of prerequisites. But what we do, uh, we just ask, how is the Lord gifted this person? And we say, well, this person is good in this, this person is good in that, and we'll start like that. So that, that I have done. But I, don't go in, I haven't shared like a lecture, so to speak, uh, to uh, give like training to a nominating committee, per se. But just in my pastoral ministry, as I've pastored churches, I try to work from, okay, how has the Lord gifted this person in ministry? Because we want to place the person in that way. And if I would prefer a, a position not to be filled, and I would just say that very clearly, rather than put somebody there that's not going to be happy in ministry. It's better for the, there not to be a ministry in that area and for people to sense a need for that and that the Lord calls them to that ministry rather than us just filling a spot because we want to look good, you know. Yeah. I'm not sure if that answers your question. That's, that's okay. Yes? I understand that. We, we have, I've used that with the nominating committee, and it was sort of a hybrid between the two. You know, we thought there were some things that needed to be done. Mm-hmm. Okay. So something similar experience. All right. Yeah. If you have if you have people serving in their areas of spiritual giftedness, you have a happier church. Yeah. Okay. What more questions do you have? Okay. If you think of something else, uh, we'll be here the rest of the week. Let's close with prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for being with us. Lord. We do need to work on some of our weaknesses as far as skills are concerned that are subpar, perhaps. But at the same time, Lord, 
We pray that you will lead each one of us in this room concerning areas, areas that you have called us to be specialists in, to focus more time and energy in those areas. So, yes, Lord, you have, you have called us to ministry, each one of us, some as laymen, some as uh, pastors that are full-time, or ministers that are full-time. But in every case, we are all your servants, and we are to serve you with a full heart, and whatever we do, do it uh, being totally engaged, all in. So, Lord, we're asking that you would use us for your glory and help us to put self aside and allow you to hone our skills so that your vineyard will be more fruitful as we reap a greater harvest until you return. In Jesus' name, amen.